among my earliest memories, among my earliest memories, is one of me going down the hallway in our house on Royal Lane in Dallas, around the corner into mom and dad's room. And I remember seeing mother kneeling by the side of her bed, her head bowed, almost touching the bed. And I remember looking at my mother and then backing away. And I ran up the hallway and into the living room where my brother was. And I remember asking my brother, something's wrong with mommy. And my brother went down the hallway with me and we looked in our parents' room and my mom was still kneeling beside the side of the bed and her head bowed and I remember he pulled me back up the hall and said, mommy's okay, she's just praying. And I said, praying? And she said, yes, she's praying to God. And I distinctly remember saying, is he in the bed? Little children, I mean, think about it. Yeah, good question. Why is she kneeling beside the bed? Is God there? And that, that memory has stuck with me for years and years. And, and as I grew older, I remember in worship and church, learning to, 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 to fold my hands and to bow my head and to pray. I was told to do that. Let everybody, let's everybody take your hands and Put them together and bow your head to pray. Or put your, interlace your fingers together and bow your head to pray. And I remember as I was getting a little older and, you know, around junior high or so, when you kind of get a little snarky and you, you start to think kind of weird thoughts. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to have the seeing eye dog franchise in heaven. Because everybody's going to be walking around heaven looking for God with their eyes closed. So, I mean, I've got to help them with this. Why do we have to pray with our eyes closed? And then as I got a little older still, I realized, you know, you don't have to pray with your eyes closed. It sometimes helps to pray with your eyes closed because it gets the distractions out of the way. Nothing worse to be, than being praying late at night, kneeling in prayer. This, you know, this was a long time ago for me because I could still kneel at the time. And I'm, I'm praying <laughs> and and I have in front of me on, on this little personal altar that I had in my room at the time an icon of Jesus and I had a candle burning. And I'm there praying. And in the middle of the prayer time, I open my eyes and I look up at the icon, only I'm not looking at the icon. My cat, Tigger, was sitting right there in front of it, almost catching himself on fire with his tail twisting right around where the flame was. Oh my goodness, you know, and it distracted me. I should have kept my eyes closed, except then it would have been really funny had he actually caught fire. But no, that's another story altogether, because that actually happened once. No. Prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be done just a certain specific way. We teach children that frequently, but it's not just, there's not just one way to pray. There's not just one pattern of prayer either or one body position within which to pray. Do you know that in the earliest church, pictures, uh, um, drawings on the catacomb walls shows people in prayer. They're not kneeling. They're doing this. The position is called orans, with their arms raised to heaven and their heads tilted up in prayer. Prayer, not just praise, prayer. When I presided Holy Communion, I followed the, the ritual and the pattern 
for over the last 2,000 years of presiding at communion by holding my hands out and then up in prayer and praise to God. There are so many ways to pray. Eyes closed, eyes open, folded, clasped, out. Sometimes you're driving along the road and something happens and you have an immediate and sudden quick prayer with your eyes wide open. Uh-huh, that happens when you have an accident, yeah. Oh, there are so many ways to pray. And here we have in 1 Timothy some words of counsel given to one of the early church bishops in Ephesus about prayer. First of all, then, I urge that supplications and prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone. That's an interesting list of words. You know, I love words and I love their meanings. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings. Supplications translates to the Greek word dasis, and it means requests or entreaties or prayers. Hmm. Prayers pr translates the Greek word uh, prosuke, and it means, well, prayers. Intercessions translates intukis, and it means petitions or prayers. Um, thanksgivings translates the Greek word eucharistia, which means thanksgiving or prayerful gratitude. Huh. Taken together, each one of these words means either prayer or describes an attitude of praying. You could translate this as, I urge that prayers, more prayers, and even more prayers, and even grateful prayers be made for everyone. He wants to make sure that you're getting the idea. You're getting it clear. You're not going to miss it. You're supposed to pray. And for who? The people you like? Your friends and family? The people you agree with? The people who sound and look just like you? Not just them. Oh, those are the easy ones to pray for. But not just them. Pray for every one. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for every one. The Greek words are panton anthropone, which means all men or all humans, more literally. We can't wiggle out of it. We can't wiggle away from the calling that we have to pray for absolutely everyone, to pray with more prayers and even more prayers and grateful prayers for every one. Yes, even for kings and all who are in high positions, presidents and senators, governors and representatives, mayors and city council members, school board members, even those we didn't vote for. Yes, indeed, we're called to pray for them all. What about those people we don't like either because they don't like my race or my gender or my sexual orientation or my socioeconomic status or my ethnicity or my national origin. What about those people who don't like us? Yes, even them. 
What about people who don't like me personally? Yes, even them. What about people who've done bad things to me? Or have said lies about me? Or who've stolen my stuff? Yes, even then. Last Sunday during worship, when the district superintendent was here, um, I've gotten into the habit because I don't like to jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle. So I don't like bulges in, in my pockets getting in the way and bothering me like I have one right here right now, my wallet. <clears throat> I've usually taken my wallet and my keys and I put them in a drawer of my desk and close that. And then, of course, when I leave the office, the office eventually gets locked. Last Sunday with the district superintendent here, I was in kind of a hurry because we were running a little behind. So I, I dumped my keys and my wallet out on my desk and got vested up and didn't put them away and left the office and that Sunday the office didn't get locked and someone came in and swiped all the credit cards and the cash out of my wallet and while worship was still underway went down to CVS and purchased about $600 worth of gift cards before the bank shut it down And I'm going to tell you something. I was furious. I was angry at the person who did it. I was angry the door didn't get locked. Most of all, I was angry at me for not doing what I was supposed to do, which is put it away. Out of sight, out of mind, no temptation. And I was really angry at me. And it was really hard. And then that man sitting back there at the broadcast center here, I'm going to marry in two weeks, came out and he shared with me something he was going to post in which he wrote a letter to the person who stole him and said that he wanted to see him again, not to beat him up. And he was praying for him, not to have something bad happen to him, that he wanted him to know love and forgiveness and presence of God. And I remember the, the stone in my heart and the lump in my throat as it started to crumble, as that man back there taught me the very core of what it means to be a Christian all over again. Yes, we're called to pray for absolutely everybody, even those who've wronged us, especially those who've wronged us, those who've abused us, those who've hurt us and those we love. We're called to pray. I, I remember my dad used to say when someone would make him angry or get in his way or cause a problem, he would always pray for them to get promoted because if they got promoted, then he'd, they'd be out of his hair, what little hair he had. And it worked because he'd pray for someone and they'd be promoted. <laughs> wow, amen, yes. Not even that. Pray for God's grace, for God's touch 
for God's love and for God's forgiveness. We're called to pray for everyone. And nobody is excluded from every one. So yes, pray. Pray with more prayers and even more prayers and even grateful prayers be made for everyone. Even those we disagree with, even those we don't like, even those who've hurt us, pray for every one. And why? This is the part that usually gets missed. I wanted to make sure I got to it. This is right and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who desires everyone without exception, not just the people we like, not just the people with whom we agree, everyone be saved. And that word saved, in the evangelical church we use that word a lot. It doesn't just mean salvation like we think of, it also means healed, made whole, made new, made complete again. Who desires that everyone be included and made one and whole and new in God? That's why. That's why. Because you see, even though we fail God, even though we turn our backs on God, even though we doubt God, even though we complain to God, even though we yell and scream at God sometimes, my friends, God doesn't stop loving us. And Jesus doesn't stop praying for us. Even when we betray him, he doesn't stop praying for us. Even when he knew his disciples were going to run from him and deny him and fight about him and then leave into the dark of the night and one would betray him, even then, and the other one who would say, I do not know the man, even then he prayed that they would all be one. We're called to pray because it's God's desire for us to pray and to gather all in to the wholeness of the love of God. The wholeness of the love of God that knows no limit, that includes all of God's beautiful children and makes us one again. Pray. Pray, my friends. Prayers, more prayers, even more prayers, and even grateful prayers. We pray these prayers. We make them to God that we may all be one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let me dwell in your